Hello. 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 Nice hey. to meet you. <laughs> How are you, girlfriend? Do you know my name? Um, my name is girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, just trying to get in the headspace to get this thing done. Uh, <laughs> I... Um, it is about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. I'm just, uh, you know this, but I'm just stressed out trying to book a cabin for a bachelor party, which is an impossible task. It does seem like there have been landmines every step of the way. <laughs> it does. It shouldn't be this hard, but whenever you have six people's schedules. That's the hardest part, but mm-hmm. it, but then you resolve that and then there's just been other problems every yeah, five seconds so. yeah it's just it's hard to get everyone there it's hard to get the right place it's hard to have a place that like is big enough for everybody and everyone gets a bed and that isn't like a bajillion dollars you know because some yeah. of these rental properties are crazy expensive and yeah and it's somewhat short notice so yeah it kind of is uh so anyway uh yep enough of that i'm gonna try not to think about that and we're gonna do this thing instead okay <sighs> Has anything happened in the last three weeks? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't even know what to talk about. But we do have one very recent thing to talk about, mm. which is uh, the solstice party we attended last night. Yeah. And water melanterns. Water melanterns and, and wa- water lemonade. Yes. And um, in general, a celebration of things water melody. And the sun. And the sun, yes. The longest day of the year, the summer solstice. It really felt like it. Like, it was like there was a light in the sky for longer than uh, I expected. It really did feel like the longest day of the year. Yeah, despite that it was a little intermittently rainy. Right, which made your brother very cranky. Yes, the party was at my brother and uh, sister-in-law's house, and they had a couple other friends over and a neighbor over, and Mm -hmm. everyone was really fun to hang out with, and we had a really good time, and she made, uh, my sister-in-law made these really good cookies that she called sun cookies, but they were like uh, turmeric and ginger and orange, and some of them had this like glaze-type icing on them that was really yummy. Yeah. It was really fun, but yes, we, we... We cannot, first of all, we cannot not bring something to a party. And mm-hmm. second of all, we cannot just be normal and do something easy. So we had to be extra about it. So tell us what you did, Dave. Well, I uh, knew that I could find taps that you could stick into a watermelon online. So I looked and I was correct. I was able to find these cool little things that you like, uh, you scoop out the insides of the watermelon and then you use a coring tool and you go right into the side and you have a little spigot <laughs> on the melon and then you can fill it back up with the melon juice or with whatever you want, I guess. Uh, so we did that. We had a couple of watermelon kegs. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, producing the most crushable drink, I think, in history. Yeah. Uh, watermelon and we had a boozy juice. and a non-boozy version. Mm-hmm. And we, you bought a whittling kit so we can carve into the watermelon to say which was which. Which has and awoken also, something inside of you. also because we wanted a whittling kit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to whittle. I've been wanting to whittle for a long time. And yeah. this is not necessarily a desire I have expressed to you. But there have been multiple <laughs> occasions where I've like, I need to do something for my dad. Maybe I should whittle something, which is a really strange thought when you've never, ever whittled before. You know what I want to whittle? I want to whittle a little Venus. 
like one of those mm-hmm. little little chubby Venus kind of oh, things. Oh, yeah. I want to whittle a little Venus. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure that Moe's on The Office had whittled a little Venus uh, just out of <laughs> loneliness and horny, horniness, maybe. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we'll have a little it. whittled Venus around here somewhere. I ship it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, whittling is, uh, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. It's a super mm-hmm. old-timey way to pass the time. But mm-hmm. um, I also made, because if you can carve a pumpkin, you can carve a watermelon, damn it. Yeah. So I made a watermelon-lantern <laughs> instead of a jack-o'-lantern, and uh, I... Carved a little sun into it, and then half of it was like the moon, but it was just shaved off instead of being carved out. That looked really cool. And uh, then on the other side, I used the whittling tools to carve Happy Solstice. Yeah. Um, and it it everyone really liked it. I mean, I had fun doing it, but I I was surprised by how excited everyone was by that you can tell the generation of people were in uh, by how many photos were taken of this (laughs) like it was very instagrammable i will say that yeah well i'm glad everyone liked it it was fun to do yeah Yeah, and it it did i will say like once it got dark and the candle was in there it it did look really nice it looked better i jack-o'-lanterns always look better when they're lit i think this was I don't know whose idea initially it was, but when we had them over for uh, dinner the one day. Gary and Sarah. Yeah. they. Someone said something like, well, it should be like Halloween, but in the summer. I feel like it was Sarah. I feel like a discussion was had about if you can carve a jack-o'-lantern, like a pumpkin into a jack-o'-lantern, you should be able to carve yeah. a watermelon. And I think it was a discussion between you and Sarah that it came up, but I can't remember exactly who said what. But, but I, I yeah. imagine that carving into watermelon flesh is also a little bit easier than carving into a pumpkin because they're so firm. Mm. No? I think it's probably about the same. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad, though. It was just... Uh, I didn't actually have like a pumpkin carving kit or anything. I just had the whittling tools and then like regular knives and You did a whittle whittle. I did a whittle whittle. I did a whittle whittle win. <laughs> I whittled it. Um Stop and whittle it. Wait, what is that? <laughs> There's a song that goes stop and wiggle it. Oh. But I change it to stop and whittle it. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> this is very funny. I'm Laugh. very funny. Amy. I'm so funny. Okay. That's um, enough of that. <laughs> also, it's Father's Day. It is. For Father's people Day. who have fathers and celebrate. Mm-hmm. We're kids and they're the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. I plan on, I still have to work out when, but I want to have my dad over to cook him a burger. Like today? Yeah, at some point. You might want to get on that. Yeah. If, if it doesn't work out, we can do it tomorrow or whatever. But I just, I told him, like, I got these burgers. I'll make you a burger. And then we didn't discuss any more details. Yeah, okay. Um, so I do want to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Father's Day. It's Sunday. It's, uh, gosh, we've been, uh, we, since the last time we did this podcast, we have done a ton of stuff around here, which mm. is very, very busy with, you know, Landscaping yard things stuff. and yard stuff and, yeah, getting ready for a garage sale. You mm-hmm. know. I put a little garden around the tree in the front yard. So dug up a little bit of soil. We rototilled the area. We, mm-hmm. um, I 
dug up a little extra dirt to replace with some soil and then uh, put some mushroom compost around the tree, put some moss down there. So hopefully that propagates a bit, planted some seeds, covered the rest in mulch, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully something happens. We have not discussed at all what I think is probably the most important thing about our landscaping efforts, how many and where to place gnomes. There will be gnomes. There must be gnomes. I have a kit in my closet, craft room closet, that's like a make your own gnome garden kit. And it has like a little house and tiny little gnomes. And I was planning on putting that somewhere in the front garden. So once we do that. Sounds nice. Plus we have that one. Well, I think we have it on a shelf inside, but we have like a gnome thing that lights up to put outside. Mm-hmm. It's like a little stone gnome. Is that meant for outside? I think so. Because it's meant to look like concrete kind of. Like, yeah. I don't know for sure, but. It has batteries in it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it's not meant for outside. Anyway, yeah, there are so many gnomes. <laughs> and there are so many gnomes I can buy. Yeah. There's no limit to the gnomes that we can place around our house. I have uh, somewhere around here, uh, I think it might be in my craft room also, Game of Thrones gnome. Oh, really? And I also have a gnome that is mooning, (laughs) which would be fun to put outside in the garden. (laughs) But yes, I have lots of different gnomes. Mm -hmm. So gnome logistics aside, we have plenty of work to do. Uh, Yeah. But it's been a pretty productive early summer already. Oh, let's talk briefly about Bean Guy. Beans. Uh, So we discovered how. I can't remember. Who found that? You found it. Did I? I didn't think I found it. Someone else. It wasn't me. Maybe one of our friends found it, but. Yeah, I think someone else found it. Maybe it was Mel? It might have been Mel that found it. Um, But uh, someone found this guy, the bean collector's window, who's got hundreds of varieties of beans, and we ordered some beans from Bean Guy. Now we have beans, and we're going to plant beans because we have beans. I don't think. Anyone has ever said the word beans that much <laughs> in one sentence? <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably not. Uh, the guy guy's name is Russ, and he's like really nice. He was like, "Don't be a stranger. Tell me how your beans are doing." And yeah, I'm he's like, very into beans. Yeah, and that's <laughs> sweet. He says, "I'm kind of a bean nerd," and I was like, "You kind of made us bean nerds. Like we got nerdy mm-hmm. about the beans." So he so he has a list like with pictures of all the different beans that he sells. Mm-hmm. They're alphabetical, but that is how they're organized. They're not yeah. organized any other way. So they're not organized by like growing type or where what uh, temperature they do best or anything like that. So yeah. you just kind of have to look at them alphabetically and decide like what what your bean needs are. <laughs> Determining your bean needs and kind of write down. What ones look interesting and suit your bean needs? And then to buy them, you have to email them. And so we got through, you said like what, the letter L? Yeah, we got like three quarters of the way through the alphabet and and we had already picked out like 10 varieties. And then you just bought the ones we could. There was only one that we couldn't get. Right. So we have to plant these beans. But I'm excited about it because our snap peas failed terribly so now we can put something else on our bean arch Mm -hmm. and it should i mean it's a summer crop so it should grow clear into you know fall or whatever and start to ripen something like 50 60 days away from where we we are now in the ground soon oh yeah they should go in as soon as possible okay yeah it's they they honestly they could have gone in like a month ago probably 
Plant them beans. Plant them beans. Uh, so we'll do that. Uh, do we just want to move on? Because yeah. I know we, uh, we're we on a little time crunch today because it is Father's Day and there's things to do. Yeah. So I'm thinking in the interest of expediency, maybe we should play a game. Yes. But um, I have none in mind. To, to make things go faster, we should stop what we're doing and play Monopoly. Okay. To make things go faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Monopoly is the game that never ends. Yes. I hate Monopoly. I actually really like it, but no one plays it. it. Because yeah. everyone else hates it. <laughs> There's always one person who likes it because that's the person who wins. <laughs> and everybody else hates it. I don't know if I've ever actually won a game of Monopoly. The thing is, Monopoly's not bad if you don't play with that stupid role that everyone plays with, which is like the chance thing and the like. There, There's like rules that people add oh, to it yeah, like, and it makes it go way longer. And if you don't play that way, it's mm. not as bad. People add, I think if you land on the free parking space, people like get 200 bucks or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which, yeah, prolongs the game. Yeah. Because, after all, capitalism as a, a system, you know, uh, is is destined to chaos and ruin. And uh, and when you continue to infuse money into the system and not allow it to completely go to hell, you just prolong misery and suffering. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where we are right now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And we're not going to play Monopoly. We're going to play... <coughs> Tarus and a Fanoos. Ooh, Tarus and Fanoos. You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me? It's time for Tarus and Fanoos. Time to play Tarus and Fanoos. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing a famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for Tarus and a Merv Griffin production. All right, hit me with it. What is it? I was. I thought you were saying hit me with the quiz, and I was like, you don't want to know how. No, it's I want to know what the game is. The game is called Truths and Fnoos. <laughs> Truths and Fnoos is a game, uh, an internet game. Sweeping the nation, in which there are three news headlines. Two are false news. One is true. Trues. You got to tell me which is which. All right. I did not go that fast because I have a headache. That's okay. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Let's play. The first. When you ready for the first one? Yeah. 100-year-old Wenatchee, Washington farm store, the Apple store, countersues Apple in trademark lawsuit. <laughs> okay. Number two. NBC game show Ultimate Slip and Slide shut down by explosive diarrhea. Okay. Number three. <laughs> Burt Reynolds to posthumously star in Cannonball Run 4 via recovered footage and CGI. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Re- wait. Yeah. Reanimated with. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. That thing. <laughs> Sorry. My head is all over the place. Please you, give me a recap. Okay. Number one, 100-year-old Wenatchee, Washington farm store, the Apple store, countersues Apple and trademark lawsuit. I like it. Number two, mm-hmm. NBC game show Ultimate Slip and Slide shut down by explosive diarrhea. <laughs> Number three, Burt Reynolds to <laughs> posthumously star in Cannonball Run 4 via recover footage and CGI. 
Um, I unfortunately know what I this is. I knew that you knew. I, I know that you knew that I knew because it didn't get the reaction that it definitely should have out of me. Yeah, I saw the look in your eyes. Uh, but I'm so, going to give the listeners a moment. What do you think it is? Tell us. Apples, what do you think poop, it is? Burt Reynolds? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I hate when I know it, but I do, I do yeah. know it. Um, I was afraid that would happen. The thing is, you might not have known it if we did this last week like we intended. That's true. That's true. But I knew... I should have changed it up, but it was too good. Uh, so, uh, yes, because I yeah, I have a Google alert for anything poop related, of course, <laughs> I was aware. That's a, that's a lot of shit. That tons of people came down with, what, Giardia or whatever it is? Yes. In the filming of The Ultimate Slip, which is the perfect, that's the perfect show to be plagued with diarrhea. Also, um, predictable. Yeah, I guess so. Because Giardia Gia is waterborne. Right. And so if you have a bunch of slip inside set up and standing water, presumably, mm-hmm. and people like, you know, sliding down sides and getting water in their mouth and stuff, like, of course a bunch of people got Giardia. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, it's basically when someone says they have like a stomach flu or they get yeah. food poisoning, it's one of the culprits behind it. Yeah. But it's your traditional, like, Nausea, vomiting, pooping, goyeria, gastrointestinal distress <laughs> causing agents. Now, what I love about this story and headline <clears throat> is that I know that it wasn't just slip and slides full of diarrhea. Right. But that's all I could picture when I read it. Right. I was like, there's just a river of diarrhea. It makes it sound like people were diarrheaing all <laughs> over the slip and side. And that is absolutely not the case. It's yeah. just that the people involved in the production, the people working there and, and the the people who were like on the show um Ended up getting it, yeah. and so they weren't weren't actively <laughs> sick while they were on the slip and slides necessarily, but they right. were they were sick and and didn't want it to continue to spread because it's very contagious, and yeah. so they they stopped production for a little bit. Well, like a water park or a slip and slide or things like this, water slides they're like a closed loop water system, and if something gets <laughs> in there and it has a chance to spread, everyone's gonna come down with it. You know, all it takes is a one mud butt to ruin the party. Right. And what I think is it's also the fact that, like, I don't think these slip and sides were like in a water park. They were like huge slip and slides set, set up outside. Yeah. So it's not like there's any kind of filtration system or anything moving the water around <laughs> right. or, you know, it's just puddles. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's somewhat predictable. (laughs) Someone could have guessed that that would happen. Yeah. Someone, I I, I don't know. They should have treated the water better. I don't know. Something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was quite a headline. And and Ultimate Slip and Slide is a a game show that NBC is, is Mm -hmm. creating. So. Don't people like get horribly injured on slip and slides all the time? Probably. I feel like I remember like for a while that you couldn't sell them. But also there was a, a, a game in which the whole point was for people to, I mean, the obstacles were somewhat padded, but right. to do silly obstacles and, and like bang their heads while they're wearing a helmet and yeah. fall on things. So like, I don't know, we're kind of into this in general. Yeah, it's true. 
And, and actually, there have been a lot of those. Like, if it's not like MXC or yeah, uh, Wipeout, it's it's like American Gladiators. Yeah. Or, it's like, how many times uh, can we hit a guy in America's the head with a big Q-tip? Top Ninja Warrior or whatever? Stuff like that. There's, there's no how many guys? How many times can we hit a guy with a Q-tip? Yeah. So how many times can we hit a guy in the head with a big Q-tip? That's the name so of the show. So many times. It's a spinoff of American Gladiators where they just <laughs> strap a guy to a other. chair. I used to know the name of that, what that device was yeah, called. Yeah, it's but I some don't sort know. of a jousting thing. Yeah, but there's a specific name for it, and I used to know it. The big Q-tip? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I know it as. I actually don't know. I've never heard the name of it. I'm fighting the urge to look it up. Mm. <sighs> well, yes, you got the correct one because you cheated by having knowledge. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but I like to think but. that the listeners didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> I like to think the listeners didn't necessarily know. So unless they also have Google alerts for poop. I wasted 100 year old Wenatchee, Washington farm store, the Apple store. That's so good. You want to know the best part of it? What? Um, Wenatchee, Washington is a place. It is 100 years old, and it is known for its apples. There is no farm store called the Apple Store. Mm -hmm. But if there was to be a farm store called the Apple Store, it absolutely could be in 100-year-old Wenatchee, Washington. Wow. You really you dug deep to write that one. I like to um, be as truthful as inaccurate as I can because I think it sells it. Christy Davenport really blurs the line between truths and news. Really do fake, fake, I, fake news. I'm my, saying my goal is that there's one one particular item in the headline that is the news, but the rest of it is as truths as it can be. <laughs> I'm like spinning off my head on this idea about like fake f news, like, like it's like recursive. It's fake fake news. <laughs> it's like ah, that's not quite f news. That's fake f news, because it's it's because it's a little bit trues, but not really. Sorry, I'm entertaining I can't myself do this. at this. <laughs> okay. um, well, all right. Let's. I'll tell you what. Let's move on here. Let's take a break. No break. Break. Come back. We'll do the episode. Yeah. Right. All right. Stick around. We're back. And we're back. Um, all right. Um, all right. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. I don't know how to start. Did I just watch you reboot? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so, uh, do you know what I'm talking about in this one? I, I feel, think so. I feel like you might. Um, mm -hmm. So, this one is a little bit of a throwback episode in a way. Because we're revisiting something that we talked about pretty well back in the past. I can't remember what episode it was. Um, but due to some current events and news stuff, it seems timely to revisit it. Uh, we are talking about aliens 
Aliens. But more specifically about UFOs. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, this is not... This is not a long episode. This is mostly just more of like a kind of what's happened since uh, the last time we talked about this kind of stuff. What was our last episode on it? We was did it the, the one, the FBI vault? We did the episode about Tom DeLonge and oh, the yeah, To yeah, the yeah, Stars yeah. Foundation that was um, partially a research organization, partially a media company. It was a very weird uh hybrid of ideas Mm -hmm. but basically tom delonge of the you mean like a hybrid like alien and human right yeah like it's almost as if you merged humans and aliens and then they walk among us it was like that um tom delonge had this strange um sort of idea that he was you know because he has (laughs) the ear of the young people yes which continues to make me laugh because like no way Gen Z listens to Blink-182. Right? And the, the thing is, the ones who do, it's like our generation was with the classic rock of the time. Like, yeah, I, I like classic rock because my parents gave me good music taste. That's yeah. what they like. I, I bet they call it classic rock, too. That's it's like freaking considered weird. classic rock. Oh, ouch. We're only in our 30s. This can't be happening this soon. Your music can't be oldies when you're in your 30s. That's how it works. It happens fast. Um, But we talked about Tom DeLonge, and we talked about his To The Stars media slash research organization and their plans to build a starship using alien technology. And the thing is, he was approached by a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. I think we, I'm sure we clarified this plenty in the episode, but it was like he was, you know, people were coming at him. Former Pentagon people, former, you know, DOD people mm-hmm. with stories of, listen, like this thing happened. The government can't talk about it, but this we there there is proof of something weird. Mm-hmm. And that's always like the starting point, And then it jumps off. Yeah. And so people, you know, will, you know, yes, there's these unidentified things. We don't know what they are, but here's what they really are. I have the secret information. And that's the where it starts. The truth is out there. Yeah, it starts to get like, you know, kind of weird uh, beyond the basic thing everyone seems to be able to agree on, which is there is stuff that we don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. So the reason this is back in the news and the reason that I'm talking about it is that there is uh, a now a, a mandate from the the. Uh, Oh gosh, I, I talk about it later in here, but the the um, there is a requirement that a report be filed publicly. I think within a hundred days or so of when they you know uh, set the order mm-hmm. on the state of all of this stuff, uh, on like you know what they know or think they know about you know unidentified flying objects, mm-hmm. which will bring us back a little bit to you know what we talked about last time. Um, and uh, it's important to note that they're now trying to change the terminology around it, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. They're calling it unidentified aerial phenomena or UAP, mm-hmm. which does sound a little less kooky than UFO, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So they're doing this on purpose. It's a little bit of a rebrand. Yeah. Um, briefly, I want to touch on what we talked about in the first place that started this is we mentioned earlier in this episode when we had Gary and Sarah over for dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gary pointed me in the direction of an article uh, that was in the New Yorker, which we'll talk about later mm-hmm. that 
basically covers a long history of going all the way back to like the 50s of, you know, uh, what people had reported to have seen in various places, you know, near mountains and in the sky and over the ocean and things like that. Um, there's the, the particular kind of spacecraft that Gary was talking about is this really very interesting story, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying I think we're both pretty skeptical about this stuff, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know. I wanted to – the thing is my brain was fighting me on this episode. It really was. Because, like, I really want to keep as open a mind as possible. But it's just so hard because some of these people make it so hard, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, it, it can't just be a conversation about, well, something was detected on radar and we don't know what it is. It always ends up getting into, well, aliens have crossbred with us and they live. And you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't even recognize them, and they're, you know, they're here, they're everywhere. I don't know. It's it's hard to maintain like an open mind when that's the kind of stuff that gets thrown at you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gary was talking about this kind of craft, which is you know being one of the many stories about you know unidentified aerial phenomena, right? which is a metallic sphere type object that pilots have been reporting for a really long time, all the way back to the forties actually. And they, they're said to be, uh, you know, spherical and metal and they go crazy fast apparently. And they, um, they don't know what they are. They can stop and turn on a dime. Apparently they'll shoot straight up or down into the ocean. According to Gary, they, they turn so fast that like, our electronics could not handle it at the speeds that they supposedly do it. Yeah, right. I mean, like, like they would break off and, you know, yeah, be like, non-functional. Even just like the, yeah, exactly. Even just the physical integrity of something at that speed would like fall apart is the idea. Especially how fast they can seem to corner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so... I don't know what what it was, but as he was telling me this, I started to, to kind of get excited about the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like the you kind of can't help but find it really interesting and exciting. Um, it kind of brought me back a little bit to, I think, like being a kid and being like, "What if? What if there?" Is? Yeah, like, but what if? Yeah, yeah. Well, the only reason I didn't also go down this rabbit hole immediately because I wanted to was because you jumped on it and said. You were going to do it as an episode. Yeah. But I, yeah, I agree. I, it's that little bit of whimsy, desire for the whimsy and the interesting and the weird and paired with the skepticism yeah. to be like, I want this to be real, but I know it's not. <laughs> well, it's or like either, obviously there's something, some, something has happened. Something has happened. Um, but I mean... My desire is to find out what it actually is. Yeah. Um, and it would kind of be cool if it was aliens. I think that's, that's kind of the that's line. Probably not. <laughs> that's the line we skirt, though, isn't it? Is like, what is the evidence? Yeah. Like, inexplicable things have been inexplicable since time immemorial. But like trying to ascribe, you know, like a explanation to them without evidence is really just speculation. Yeah. So... That's about as far as I'm really willing to go. It's like, okay, let me look at, like, what evidentiary, you know, materials there are to support these kind of stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tried to keep an open mind going in. 
Um, I want to start back now a little bit farther back with some of these early reports, right? That I don't really know if we touched on in the previous episode. Um, some of the people that make these claims are like credentialed people, which is what makes it so compelling. Uh, there's a guy named Clifford Stone, who is a retired army sergeant, um, who, uh, he, he claims to have identified 57 species of aliens, mm-hmm. which is quite a lot considering no one else has identified one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not focusing on stories like that, but I did want to mention that there are credentialed people like him, you know, telling stories, right? You know, people that like have had access to classified materials and things like that. Um, so uh, the former director of national of the, the national uh, the former director of national intelligence, a guy named John Ratcliffe, um, when he talks about. UFO sightings. He, this is in the New York article. He says, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that frankly engage in actions that are difficult to explain, movements that are hard to replicate, that we don't have the technology for, or are traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. So I think that's like a good kind of what we don't know kind of statement. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like we have we have uh, various things, stories, radar imagery, you know, that that suggest to us that there are things that we don't understand what they're doing, Mm -hmm. which is by itself really fascinating. Right. Um, Here's the thing from the article, because Gary mentioned that he was talking to what, like your, your mom and your grandpa about this. Right. Oh, yeah. And he he said as he was talking about it, they just took it as a matter of course, like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course there's weird, you know, spacecraft and stuff. Of course that's real. Mm -hmm. And he was like, why we never talked about this, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So there might be a reason for that, which is um, in the 50s and 60s, half of all people in the U.S. accepted UFOs as a fact, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting to me. Because that's I, that's definitely not the case. I found a, a Gallup poll from 2019 that says about 60% of Americans think they can all be explained by normal human activity. Um, 33% believe that they have been uh, alien spacecraft and 7% had no opinion at all. Mm-hmm. So to go from like half to down to like 33% think maybe, maybe there's, you know, alien technology involved. That's really, that's a big shift. You know, yeah. Um, this is where I want to talk about something. And now, Kirsten, I think, suggested a topic that we never quite picked up, but it comes up here. Uh, and that is what is called the Skinwalker Ranch. Mm. Does that sound familiar to you? Mm-hmm. So, the Skinwalker Ranch is um, it's a 480 acre uh, land plot a, a few hours outside of Salt Lake City, right? And it's named after the legend of like a Navajo witch, like a shape-shifting witch, yeah. right? And all kinds of like cryptid stories and weird like like uh, mutilated cattle and stuff are said to have happened there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was purchased by an aerospace businessman named Robert Bigelow. Uh, and he basically, it's very, it's interesting. So he was, uh, he, he bought this property and then was approached shortly after by um 
a senior DOD official and also Harry Reid, like former Senator Harry Reid. Mm. Um, both of those people had like a big interest in UFO stories and like stuff like this. Um, more or less what eventually happens. And this is, this is only recently known <laughs> is that $22 million of federal money, uh, that was not really the purpose of which was not super clear at the time, mm -hmm. uh, was used to establish the advanced aerospace weapons system applications program. Right. Which was like a research project into aerospace technologies and, and you know, mm -hmm. and weaponry and, you know, the kind of uh, stuff that we now would look back and go, OK, sort of seems like a little sci fi, you know? Yeah. Um, and the project was bid on and won by Bigelow Air Aerospace, the guy that owns Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Um. So it was, yeah, it was meant to pursue UFO technology. This is, I can't believe. The thing is, this is now, this is now public information. Mm -hmm. um, so it's known that they were actually pursuing this kind of stuff. Regardless of like what they had or found. Mm -hmm. The big shift here, the big change is the government never confirms this stuff, right? They, right. Never, they never talk yeah, about this the, stuff. The important part of this is that at least some members of the government believed in UFOs enough, in their legitimacy enough yes. to throw a decent amount of money at yeah. trying to research and mimic the technology found in them. Yeah, and they normally, I mean, normally they would just not confirm this kind of stuff. They would just not comment. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we're now starting to get confirmation that they were at least interested is interesting. Okay, so um, one of the things that came out of this program, right, was a uh, report that was never released. And the report, the, according to the person that commented on it, someone who commented anonymously who had read it said if it was ever released, it would be a disaster. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were able to produce a report full of, you know, sort of alleged documentation of UFOs, alien sightings, and a photo of a supposed tracking uh, device implanted in someone who had been abducted. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it seems to me at least compelling that this appeared in official government documentation. Mm -hmm. You know, like that this was... <laughs> that. Setting aside, like, whether y there's any truth to the thing, it just seems compelling that this was put in an actual report, you know, that, that we, the, the, the taxpayers, paid for. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, in 2010, uh, the new director of that program, with the uh, Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Applications Program, right, began an in-house effort known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program which began studying something that was known as the Nimitz encounter. Okay. The story of the Nimitz encounter is that, uh, off the coast of San Diego in Baja, California in 2004, three pilots witnessed strange presences, uh, as high as 80,000 feet and as low as the surface of the ocean. And, uh, they describe a Tic Tac shaped object that was captured on radar, bouncing around like a ping pong ball. Um, and the thing is, oh my God, chill, dude. 
Um, <laughs> so the thing is, for a while, this was just a story. And then in 2017, and I really should have seen this video mm-hmm. before we talked about this last time, but the the video that was captured by Radar was released. So it's known as uh, FLIR-1. It's like, uh, I think that stands for Forward Looking Infrared Radar. Or, or I'm not sure, really. Um, but that video was made available. Um, and part of the way it was made available is actually kind of a strange story. Um, there's, there's a woman named Leslie Keene who has been mm-hmm. writing about UFO stuff for a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's kind of positioned by the New Yorker article as, I don't know, She's she seems like one of the most reasonable of the UFOlogist type people. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, she just... Um, like, if the government is going to work with any of these like people who are obsessed with the UFOs. It's probably going to be her because she seems the most down to earth. I think that's kind of the idea is that like she is very careful to distance herself from like the reptilian people and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. You know, like she, um, I think it's fair to say she's still a little bit more willing to accept that certain things are, you know, maybe, you know, alien based or something weird like that, you know, without, mm-hmm. without like full evidence. Like she's, she's still not like really a skeptic type person. I don't think. Okay. But here's the important thing. How many owls has she seen? How many owls has she seen? Do you know about this? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking this is about? Somewhat a tangent, but this is a thing among, um, believers in UFOs. Not all of them, but, um, I forget the guy's name in particular. I learned this from an episode of, of Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie in which they went to like a a UFO composium thing. Yeah. And um, there's a group of – there's a subset of people among the UFO community, like believer community, who think that aliens can appear or send – a being that looks like an owl or is an owl and it's a sign of like this extraterrestrial paranormal kind of stuff. Um, I've never heard this. And sometimes it's a normal owl and sometimes it's like actually like a three or four foot, like which there are owls that big, but yeah. Um, owl like of, of unusual size <laughs> <laughs> and um, <clears throat> owl, owl of unusual Owls, owl of unusual size. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, that's just like a, it became a, a joke on Ono Ross and Carrie podcast because there was some someone that they got to see speak who who believes that owls are a sign. You know, I'm and sure I, that can't I be that widely held. I it's, believe it's related to um, people who have uh, abduction experiences, and they come out of them and they are missing memory for a certain amount of time or whatever. I I think what it was is like supposedly multiple people report like having seen an owl or like something about an owl. And so this one guy was like, the owls owls mean something. Do you know what it reminds me of? Is that thing that Carl Pilkington believed about the, the portrait of a boy that was responsible for houses burning down in the eighties. 
Have you ever you ever heard that? I think so. It was a thing where like um, a whole bunch of you know homes that had had fires had this oh yeah odd like sort of like you know s- standard art kind of picture yeah. of a boy that and rather than believe it was just like stock reproduce art that a lot of people had so right. it was likely for it to be in a lot of homes including yeah. ones that burned down he believed that somehow mm-hmm. that was a cursed piece of yeah i think lots of british people did it was like kind yeah. of a, one of those urban legends folk sto- folk tale urban legend thing. Yeah. yeah like the reality is everyone had one of those pictures but some people <laughs> including carl pilkington still believe that boy's picture yeah right um so yeah it's kind of like that um the you know you can you can anyway sorry to sidetrack us with the owl (laughs) that's okay um so anyway um these these forward-looking radar images became public basically under this interesting arrangement that i I can't remember who approached her with uh, this information but they were oh I, i think it was actually the uh the new director of the program that uh, took over in 2010 basically was willing to make those materials available to her on the condition that she could get a story placed in the New York Times mm-hmm. that would would show the video to people, right? And this is what happened. Um, so she, there's a lot more information on her in the article. She's actually really interesting to me. But um, she makes this, you know, uh, article happen in... 2017 Mm -hmm. um the article was called glowing auras and black money the pentagon's mysterious ufo program um -hmm. there's a bunch of materials that are a part of this article as well as the video right um i want to say having watched it and actually having watched another couple of radar videos of you know objects that are you know tracked on uh you know these uh it's hard because the the radar video is it's not obviously it's not like camera footage mm-hmm. it's not super clear it's usually it's always black and white mm-hmm. alternately fuzzy um the objects being tracked in them are small and kind of like uh indistinct they're just kind of blobs you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's hard to get a sense of how fast they're moving or what you know what is actually happening because you have no scale. Do you know what I mean? So just from the video, like I I imagine someone who really knows how to read all that and is looking at the numbers and the side and the zoom level and the distance and all these things, someone who knows what they're looking at can probably like, you know, make a judgment on it. I really couldn't, but I thought it was cool. I thought it was interesting. I did find the fact that people who know what they're talking about find this stuff mysterious is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Obama commented on it. Yeah. And was like, yeah, there's, we have, you know, evidence of things that we do not understand what they're, what they're doing. More or less was his statement. Hmm. Even Obama said that. <laughs> like, I don't know if Obama said it. It's, I don't know. It's just, it just seems, we don't know that there is an extraterrestrial explanation for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But we do know that for a really, really long time, Pilots have been telling stories mm-hmm. for a really long time. And yeah, those might not all be true stories. And actually, Leslie Keen throws most of these things out. She like focuses specifically on the like the best of the best stories of things like out of Project Blue Book, you know, like these mm-hmm. like documented what she thinks are the most well 
supported and corroborated stories with multiple witnesses and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, it's it, it's important to note that many of the people who had been part of uh, this project had defected the AATIP. Uh, I forget what that stands for. The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. So that's the, the program that was started by the new director in 2010, mm-hmm. right? Many of those people who were involved in that project are the people who ended up at the To The Stars Academy. Okay. Right? So there's some self-selection, I think, that happens when you form, like, a project around UFO-y type things. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get some people trying to get in the door who already have certain beliefs or suspicions or, you know, they're oriented toward it a, a certain way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this program eventually has a mass exodus of people that go into to the stars and all believe in UFOE alieny things is probably somewhat of a product of the first selection, you know, of like people that would be a part of that other program. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and also <clears throat> it, obviously we right now don't know a whole whole lot about the 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 threat program, mm-hmm. but it's also very possible that they selected people who had some knowledge and interest in UFOs and the, the ability to like do the research required. Yeah. But maybe they defected because it wasn't being taken as seriously as or considered absolutely yes, aliens, UFOs. And yeah. so, of course. If that were the case, and I don't know for sure if it is, but if that were the case, of course they'd be like, "Oh well, to the stars believes us." Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I thought. Is like you know you could take all that as evidence that they in that program saw things that convinced them, and so there's definitely truth to it. Or you could take that as evidence that a bunch of people gathered around a thing they already kind of were into mm-hmm. and then not being taken seriously enough or whatever went into the a, a private company that was willing to entertain the idea. Yeah. So I don't know. Like it just seems to me like part of the to the stars thing, you know, part of what made it like seem so uh, part of its story, part of its origin story that makes it seem so much more serious is all these people have come to Tom DeLonge, you know, they, they, they're, you know, you know, what, you know, why is that? You know, uh, is it is it because they all know something? Well, they might also just really have not been ready to leave this thing well enough alone. Are your headphones broken? No, they were hurting me, and usually that's because I have them on wrong. Oh, so I was I took them off to check which way they were supposed to go. Okay. Um. The basically the takeaway from all of this is that there is certainly perplexing video evidence of some stuff on, you know, radar that doesn't move in a way that makes a lot of sense. It's, Mm -hmm. it it is, it is demonstrably true. So here's my question. Has the disclosure happened or is it You mean this hundred days disclosure that I was talking about? Yeah. So that's okay. That what happened is I, I'm glad I clarified this at the end because I, I didn't remember. So the 2021 Intelligence Authorization Act, which was uh, uh, approved at the end of last year, Mm -hmm. 
has given the government, I got this wrong, 180 days to gather and analyze data from various government agencies related to UAP phenomenon and to prepare a comprehensive report. This is a big deal. It's a huge deal because normally they just don't comment at all. Mm -hmm. It went in the last, you know, couple of years from we don't talk about this to here's what we know. And we might, I mean, we will probably not get, like I said, with the the, the report compiled by, you know, the Bigelow uh, Aerospace or whatever, someone will probably look at it and go, nope, this would be a disaster. And certain things will not make it into the final report, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're unlikely to get like a thorough, complete disclosure of every little thing, you know, but we're getting an official government report on this. When is that? 180 days from the signing of the uh, the uh, uh, Intelligence Authorization Act. So so when is that? <laughs> it's like June. It's okay. like the end of this month. It's it's very soon. Um, and yeah, for a long time, they just dismissed this stuff. There was, you know, categorical avoidance. Um, probably on the assumption that the public would react kind of poorly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, like I said, this is. This is a short episode. That's really kind of what I have on this mm-hmm. because the report hasn't quite come out yet. Yeah. And I almost feel like I should have just waited. <laughs> but we could always talk about it on another episode. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about what uh, what came out in the report and all of that. Well, it could be like a disjointed two-parter because uh, if we did basically a full episode just on the lead up to it, it would be a massive episode that's a really good point so maybe my next one will be really looking at what the report is and 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 what they have to say or maybe it. not the next episode but it well my, your ne- next, my episode, next episode yeah if the report's actually out by then right and you've been able to read through all however many pages and whatnot of it but we'll see yeah. there we should do another episode where you follow up on it yeah i just think it's very it's a lot of things about this are interesting the fact that they're rebranding this as UAP to try to sound less kooky. And the fact yeah. that, you know, we're now getting some video that honestly there, I think that video footage was available back when we did the Tom DeLonge episode, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't uh, feel certain that it was confirmed or official, mm-hmm. but with all this time in between, it's become like pretty clear public knowledge that it, that it, that it's actual video and it was released for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so setting aside all the things we don't know, and I'm certain that there are not 57 species of aliens walking among us, uh, pretending to be, you know, normal human beings. But yeah, there seems to be pretty clear evidence of stuff moving in ways that seems impossible. Stuff that would require totally different, you know, technology to do, you know, like crazy high speeds and turning on a dime and, you know, like stuff that you would have yeah. to like manipulate yeah, physics that's, that's to do. That's the part that intrigues me. Yeah. Um, whether we'll figure out anything more about what that is, I don't know. But I have a theory. What's that? It's Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> he's controlling them with his mind right now as he sleeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Actually, it might be the thing that makes the most sense out of anything. <laughs> it's just it's like, astral <laughs> projections. <laughs> Doggy dreams made manifest. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that. Um, short-ish episode, but I felt like 
I don't know. I almost I almost wanted to call this with apologies to Tom DeLonge because I don't know. He's I think he is still kind of a kook, but like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know when all when a whole bunch of people come out of a government program, and they're all clamoring and you're chomping at the bit to, you know, do UFO stuff with you. You must be pretty convinced that the, the that there's more that the rabbit hole goes deep, deep, deep. Yeah. And I think it might actually be fairly shallow. You yeah. know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize to Tom DeLonge quite yet. <laughs> we'll right. see. We'll find out. But yeah, let's let's call it a nice short 56-minute episode or so. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Anyway. And you'll do a thing? I'll do something. And it'll be a great thing. I have confidence in you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you out there for listening. Happy Father's Day. Happy Sunday. Hope you have a good week. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. See you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod, and our website is www.GooseChasePodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at GooseChasePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 